Welcome to the Blasphemous Pope Cathedral, and this is the Blasphemous Pope Podcast, where we talk about disaster preparedness, emergency preparedness, and the cultural war that is bringing emergency and disaster right to our doorstep. So take a seat, strap in, and enjoy the wild ride that is the Blasphemous Pope Podcast. If you wish to, there is a support button on the homepage on my Anchor site. Please feel free to donate as little as 99 cents a month. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Blasphemous Pope podcast. This is part two of Sermon 6, The Information War. Uh, We decided to break this up into two separate sermons so that it would be more palatable for uh, the listeners. Uh, So continuing on, we're going to talk about some uh, examples of propaganda and sensationalism. Let's delve into the past first. Uh, we don't really need to go into like very full detail of explanations of this because uh, if you are on the internet and if you're listening to this, you absolutely are, you are very well versed in some of the historical news articles, uh, newspaper uh, comics, and politician statements about things like anti-Semitism, race, the drug war, foods and drugs in, in general, uh, and uh, the, the evidence of this is just all over the place. Um, uh, you can just look up tobacco ads and you'll see ads from the 1950s, 1960s, all the way up to, I believe, the early 80s. You could easily find uh, uh, advertisement material for uh, tobacco products and there were studies supporting about how great tobacco was for pregnant women and all these other things. Uh, The same thing with defamation of uh, the Jewish population in the United States, people of color in the United States. Uh, um, The list goes on and on and on. We even have a standing president who called out people of color as animals on the Senate floor, but, you know, BLM supported him, so I guess that makes it okay. Now, currently, uh, we see the same machinations at work um, uh, as far as COVID is concerned. Pharmaceutical agencies are using propaganda and sensationalism. They are employing media and political assets to uh, get their message across that their products are going to save you from COVID. And um, this is hilarious that no one seems to realize that the these are the same tactics that were used to promote things like tobacco in pregnant women um, another another current example uh, of the uh, sensationalism campaign was the entire 2020 election cycle it was insane how much sensationalism was going on if you had any question about the the validity of the count, uh, you were lambasted as someone who wanted to destroy democracy. Uh, I don't think I need to remind everyone about the January 6th event 
that everyone claimed was the worst thing since fucking Pearl Harbor. And finally, uh, censorship. Uh, It wasn't two years ago where things that were being said were getting you locked out of social media accounts, making you uh, lose your, um, your digital voice. And oddly enough, the things that were being said two years ago are now considered accepted scientific fact. Um, we, uh, we, we can't ignore uh, big tech as being a part of this propaganda and sensationalism uh, routine. So you really have to take a look. There is a defined pattern when it comes to propaganda and sensationalism. There's ridicule and insults. That's where it really starts. And then there's isolation and segregation. That's, that's the censorship. And then finally, it comes to dehumanization and death. Uh, this is a pattern that is well established in history. Uh, it has happened to people of color in the United States. It has happened to uh, the Jewish people worldwide uh, on a number of occasions. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't mean to laugh because it's not a funny topic, but it is insane how the human race doesn't seem to learn its lesson from uh, the past. So, uh, welcome back. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more in depth about uh, propaganda and uh, how it is being used. Uh, first and foremost, we'll talk about the media. Uh, I think it's uh, pretty obvious we can talk about the Freedom Convoy and how the media at first was trying to uh, ignore it and then. When that wasn't working, they decided to use an event that involved trucks that was happening around the same time to cover it up, basically. They put, they posted articles, uh, uh, CBC, I believe, was the news outlet that did this most notoriously, where they promoted an article from a week ago about uh, some event with trucks to... Uh, drive traffic involving trucks to that part of their site until that started getting called out and then they uh, actually started promoting the article about the Freedom Convoy. Uh, And then uh, it went from that to, well, they're a fringe group, they're a white supremacist group, and anyone with feet on the ground there and any of the live footage from this event uh, has shown that none of that is actually true. Um, Another uh, perfect example is the last two years of COVID coverage by the media. One would think that the human race would have been dead by now if it was remotely close to true. Uh, And another perfect example of media propaganda is uh, the BLM protests and Trump and uh, how they reacted to that entire situation. 
from mostly peaceful protests to uh, Trump bringing the army home to murder American citizens. Now, uh, politically speaking, uh, Canadian politics is not my foray. I am not a master of it, but uh, the press releases from Canadian politicians that are in office currently have all been uh, uniform, and that is a, a hallmark of propaganda. They uniformly are saying that uh, they fear for their lives if they go to downtown Ottawa, that their constituents that live in downtown Ottawa are afraid for their lives, and uh, I have yet to see any evidence of this. I have yet to see any evidence uh, as in citizens of downtown Ottawa uh, going on video saying that they're afraid for their lives. This seems to be a construction of the political elite. Um, in American politics, uh, you don't even need to throw a stone and you hit propaganda. Uh, and this has been the case since uh, 2012 when Barack Obama overturned the uh, uh, act that kept the United States from propagandizing American citizens. And this is a, a very important point that this happened in 2012. And we see the world that we're living in now. Now, uh, as far as uh, political tribalism is concerned, and this plays a very big part in the propaganda game because it is the result of the propaganda game, uh, you see a lot of left versus right uh, two-party madness that goes on in the United States, and, and similar things happen in other countries as well. Uh, and it really brings out the worst possible people. It showcases them. And this is by design. It, it breeds divisiveness, and that's what propaganda is really for. It's to get the people who would be loyal to the propagandist uh, in line, and the people who would be disloyal uh, would be targets, uh, whether it's for scapegoating all the world's problems or um, by um, giving people an excuse, someone to hate as it were, this very 1984-esque two-minute hate going on between the media and the politician and these people who aggrandize polit politicians are eating it up. Okay, so uh, now we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about sensationalism, and um, really what I want to get out of this is the big distraction that helps propaganda become more sellable. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about celebrity obsession. Uh, you know, there's memes going around where, you know, if you know who these people are, but you don't know who these people are, you're part of the problem. And, you know, it's people like 
the Kardashians or, or some other uh, celebrity uh, group of people as opposed to like scientists or, or what have you. Um, and uh, this, is, this is really nothing new, but it is an abnormal focus on the day-to-day lives of, of people and it gets people very comfortable with uh, being intrusive in other people's lives. Uh, it's it's in a it's a form of escapism. You know, I I play video games and that's my form of escapism, and I play my bass and that's my form of escapism. But uh, for some people, watching other people live their lives and uh, in in some derivative sense having some sort of say because they are uh, a consumer of that show or what have you is their escapism from the daily trudge of their lives and it it makes their minds a little bit more pliable to well if uh you know if they're going to be people they need to be controlled somehow um and this bleeds over into political obsession because in all honesty politicians have become uh, celebrity class, just as much as you know, actors, musicians, and, and what have you have. Uh, they the telltale sign of this is because they're on the other end of the tell people what to do thing. Um, we find that a lot of people make excuses for their particular politicians' failings. Uh, perfect example. Uh, uh, Bernie Sanders with uh, with his you know seven houses and telling you know businesses that are just paying their bills and just making enough money to pay their employees and and be able to you know have the owner eat should be paying more when they themselves are paying less than what they're proposing the minimum wage be for their staff. Um, racial unity and Joe Biden is another. Uh, weird excuse point for a lot of people since, you know, he was, as I said before, on the Senate floor calling out people of color as animals uh, as late as the 1990s, by the way. Uh, uh, Not to pick on only the Democrat side, the Republican is rife with this as well. Crenshaw and his, well, maybe a little bit of gun control would be good. (laughs) I mean... I mean, people make excuses for the people that they they think should be there, and that is a telltale sign of uh, uh, sensationalism and celebrity status. Now, when they do fumble, um, and you have people like QAnon sponsored or sponsoring politicians, uh, you see that there is no end to the spectacular ridicule uh, and and. I can't say that I haven't taken part in, in creating some banger memes out there, but uh, the reality is that some people take this stuff way too seriously and way too focused on it. Uh, now, the main uh, thrust here is you see exaggeration when it comes to uh, 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 sensationalism. You see grandstanding. Uh, and it's really just a failure of rhetoric because what ends up happening is the overall mass audience picks up the exaggeration, treats that as the rule. We, we saw this with uh, the LGBTQ community when they were trying to be taken as a serious 
movement and you had uh, a bunch of people attaching themselves to uh, the movement as bad actors, you know, um, pedophiles, uh, people who were quote-unquote identifying as and just pick anything and it was uh, it was a hurdle for the LGBTQ community to be treated with respect when you had these people attached to it. So I wanted to take a minute to put together a conclusion and something of a recap to Sermon 6, The Information War. The primary takeaway really uh, should be about how you handle your information, how you handle incoming information, uh, what kind of uh, measures you should be taking in order to secure your communications with your community, outside of your community, and what kind of information you are really consuming on the regular basis and how it affects your survivability in this type of a scenario. The other takeaway is that bad actors, specifically the establishment, corporate, as well as political, uh, as well as entertainment, have been using propaganda and sensationalism the entire time. Uh, And it's not surprising to anyone who's really been paying attention to history because historically this has been happening. I can't name the amount of very large-nosed comic uh, characters that have been made to represent the Jewish people, uh, how many um, off-color characters have been used to uh, portray people of color, um, whether they be human or animal, which is especially atrocious considering the subject matter of what we are talking about today, that uh, the public has been more than easily led via these means is even more uh, shocking and alarming than, than it ought to be. That being said, um, I'm not saying you should shun all media, shun all escapism, and become some sort of information Amish type of person where the only information you get is low tech and if it's anything higher than a personal conversation you should be viewing it as suspect but you should understand that uh, the information that you're getting from the internet whether it be from a personal source or from a a official source uh, is uh, susceptible to bias, I guess would be the best way to put it, uh, at best and malfeasance at worst. And that's the plain truth of the matter. The takeaway from uh, Sermon 6, The Information War, is that you should ensure important and critical communication. You should secure important and critical information. And you should not be afraid to criticize, 
question and um, put under the the microscope any incoming information that you are not uh, absolutely certain you should be able to trust. I know I bring this up a lot when it comes to community building, building a trust network, and this is one of those main things. Uh, the uh, encryption uh, software out there is, is great and all, but uh, if someone starts the message wrong, then uh, just like a, a game of telephone, the, the message at the beginning won't be anywhere remotely close to the message at the end. You actually need to have a trust circle um, where messages being relayed are not changing with individual bias. And sometimes people do this uh, without malicious intent. And really what we want to do is, is mitigate as many uh, misunderstandings and accidents because those things will deteriorate a community faster than anything else. So in conclusion, uh, not only is this like a uh, expose of, of media and political uh, manipulation of information, but also how we can uh, use information to enrich our communities and, and make our lives better. Because at the end of the day, it's not about defeating the enemy. It's about uh, propping each other up so that the enemy is powerless against us. Thank you for joining me on this sermon. I hope you've gained some much-needed insight and perspective, maybe learned something about self-sustaining communities, how to start them, develop them, and maintain them, and about the cultural war that is making these communities become a necessity for our very survival. Again, if you wish to support this podcast, you can always click the link on Anchor and for as little as 99 cents a month support this podcast and also just by watching and sharing it's a great help thank you very much goodbye